I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. <coughs> All right, so <clears throat> turn this new camera and um, see if it's going to work well or not. Let's try to turn this and get some extra light in here. So anyway, we'll work it all out. Let's try to get a little bit more light here because that would be so weird. If Okay, so thanks, everyone, for for joining us here and um, so let's go ahead and get to the topic at hand because uh, my good buddy it's like right behind me right this post here um, the topic is being coachable right and so the way you want to get the best out of training with anybody right especially someone that you, a coach that you like right um, the best way to get the most out of it like to learn the most techniques to become the best athlete you can really is by being coachable and what does that mean uh basically so we'll stay here right as an athlete you have to be coachable and being coachable is a humbling thing all right my good buddy john strickland from american hook wrestling um on the east coast of the united states uh, he just shared that that was a quote from rashad evans who was a ufc champ and um that was the thing. He was already a talented wrestler, um, but he ended up training, uh, you know, with, with I believe in Florida uh, for like his later matches or his later fights, right? But that's the thing. It's like um, all these people that you really respect, right? All your favorite fighters and stuff, they have coaches, right? And so um, I'm trying to adjust the light a little bit. So the thing that you want to remember is that, so you might already be a very talented athlete. You might already um, have whatever trophies and whatever belts and whatever, but a lot of times you didn't get there just on your own, right? You got there because you actually listened to somebody. And so sometimes you might have to move or some for some reason you end up at a different school and with a different coach, you have to humble yourself a little bit, especially if the coach is, say if you're in jujitsu and there's like an obvious ranking system, you know, you, you got to, um, uh, you got to pay attention. Cause a lot of times, especially in catch wrestling, I believe, so we're um, <clears throat> going to be catch wrestling specific. So in catch wrestling, the more authentic catch wrestling you learn. So say like if you, if you were to train with Roy Wood um, at the, the, the real home of catch wrestling, the, the snake pit in Wigan. Um, you know, there, there might be some things that might seem um, different from your average, um, like jujitsu class or whatever, 
or even your average amateur wrestling class, right? But there's a reason why things are done in catch wrestling the way they are done, even even if it seems strange to you from your background. And why why is that? It's because catch wrestling always had not only pins, but submissions already like baked in. And so that's why catch wrestling does certain things in its own way. And that's why freestyle and folk style uh, and even Greco, uh, they'll do things their way because their rules um, are such a way where there's no submissions, uh, you know, more geared towards the pin and or sometimes points, right? So that's why things are done differently. And so um, this kind of reminds me of uh, someone brought up, there was like that, uh, that filmed debate between like, was it Henry Cejudo and Khabib and uh, so a few, I think a few other people were there. Sorry if I'm forgetting all the names, but um, I think Henry Cejudo, who was uh, an American gold medalist in freestyle, was talking about, you know, just how uh, wrestling uh, was the toughest. And then I think Khabib kind of countered saying that he would prefer to have a gold medal in judo over wrestling um, because more country. One of the reasons he gave was, was like more countries participate in judo um, than wrestling and and uh, so then the competition must be tougher, right? If you get a gold medal in judo as opposed to freestyle. But the thing is, is like um, you have to realize or recognize that when people are saying like wrestling, right? It's just, that's kind of just like the umbrella term for grappling styles from all around the world. So in a way I would probably kind of agree a little bit more with uh, Khabib in this case, because, um, because judo only, like not only has like the the throws and stuff like that, it also has a lot of the submissions, right? So a lot of the joint locks as well, because uh, they they're allowed to uh, be on the ground for a little while. So the, that's why you see like Ronda Rousey and stuff um, when she would fight, you know, she was able to get the throw and then um, like try to get an armbar or follow through with an armbar, and she was successful like the vast majority of the time. So. And one of the reasons why she was successful, going back to the original point, is because she's coachable. She might be, she, you know, you might think whatever you want about her, but at least for judo, it seems like her mom was like this very, very crazy coach. So you don't necessarily have to be so strict or intense as her mom or whoever or whoever coached her with judo, um, because it seemed to have really affected her. So you don't necessarily have to be like so crazy strict because. Um, like to get that great of a result because I mean say we have like uh, a, a probably an even better example of high level success with Penn State right we have Kale, Kale Sanderson who is the coach of uh, Penn State and uh, they're winning like as a team they're even winning our national folk style championships right so, so you're getting individual champs and team champs because they're just dominating and uh, their practices are more about trying to bring the fun back into wrestling or, or bring the fun back into their sport. Because this, this can translate to any, any sport you can think of, right? So um, that's kind of the, the idea where it's like whatever sport you're going into, you definitely have to, um, in a way like how Rashad was saying, it's like you have to be humble, that's how you're going to learn to do it the best you can, especially if you have a high-level coach, right? So in the case of Penn State, 
you know that their coach is an accomplished wrestler. Um, and so you just, just go along with it. Like say, even if you were a state champ or whatever, uh, quite often the way the story goes, if you were some state champ and then once you get to university, I mean, you just get smashed in the, in the wrestling room there. Uh, because these are like, the, it's just another level, right? Once you get to university level, right? So you got to be humble, right? So in a way, I mean, it's great to celebrate wins and stuff, but uh, in order to like be humble and to basically remember a lot of things, right? So with, that's how you can execute even better, right? Because like what happens a lot of times, uh, say even at the MMA school I teach at or even with catch wrestling, we have our own kind of vocabulary, our own words or like our, our nomenclature for different techniques and strategies. So if you're not learning all these things, if you're allowed to compete, you know, then the coach can't communicate with you effectively, right? So that, like, basically you're going to slow your growth if you let your ego get in front of, uh, like, competing. Even if you're really good and you can beat a lot of people and whatever, it's, like, it's always best to try to humble yourself and um, learn, right? And that's one of the things what even Billy Robinson talked about, learning how to learn and um, all these types of things basically go back to just, like, getting that, removing the ego, trying to learn as much as you can, try to do the techniques as best as they can, especially in catch wrestling, because they're, they are unique and they are different from your regular freestyle, folk style, Greco. Um, even though you can have, even though you can do a lot of those techniques from these other styles, uh, they're legal in catch wrestling, but we still have the submissions you have to be aware of. So that's what's going to be going on. So that's why in, in catch wrestling in particular, you got to be extra coachable, I guess, because uh, we have we have a totally different style that is still very rare. I know a lot of people are trying to show whatever kind of crazy uh, submission and stuff and like, you know, good luck getting it because uh, there's so many that are um, just what we call show holds. Uh, so stuff that you would just do in the pro wrestling match because uh, someone's going to allow you to get it. Right, you're not necessarily going to get a lot of them um, on high-level competition, whether it be wrestling or jujitsu and stuff, or you know, nogi. Right, so um, that's one of my points. Anybody got any questions? I think that some of the questions are uh, uh, coming in. So Norberto, um, so folk style versus freestyle. Uh, folk style uh, definitely is a little bit more geared towards. Uh, going back into what we call referee's position or like what well, in jiu-jitsu they call it like well, it's not exactly turtle but kind of like where you'll you can give your back to somebody um so you'd be kind of like in on all fours right um and you know freestyle it's you get saved by the coach a lot where um if you just lie flat you can wait for them to reset and stand you guys back up that's one of the main differences um even though they both came from catch wrestling uh, one evolved in a certain way, the other one in, in another way. Um, but I think folk style ultimately might be might give you a better advantage for uh, MMA and stuff. Um, right, Let's go ahead and go down the line here. Uh, so a laconophile. He said he had a conversation this week with someone who said he could beat Conor McGregor in a fight. And he tried to explain how he would to me. And 
So this guy has had zero training in any, in any martial art. I told him he was crazy. The topic made me think of that conversation. Yes. <laughs> so uh, maybe not exactly the same kind of thing, but I mean, possibly. I mean, this guy's ego in that story that you, that you wrote uh, is definitely hyperinflated. And that's the other thing about, um, about fighting sports. I think you might see it in fighting sports more than, uh, say, like basketball or even soccer or, you know, and, and any other major sports, uh, American football and whatnot, um, where you, you'll, you'll see the average guy with a big ego who doesn't train and uh, you know, he'll say something along the lines where like, oh, I can totally beat that guy. I can beat Anderson Silva or whatever. <laughs> and uh, it's like, no, no, it's a, it's a different level, guys. It, it's uh, kind of like that, what I mentioned earlier, where it's like, yeah, maybe the high school wrestling, it's great, very, very good for kids to be doing wrestling. But then when you go to the collegiate level, you know, a lot of people there, like maybe even a uh, – a lower level guy in college could probably beat the state champ, right? In in wrestling, so uh, that's why you got to stay humble if you want to claim that you can beat people up. Go train, because I mean, yeah, there's so many people where, um, yeah, it's actually earlier this summer because in in LA we're still uh, in the in kind of lockdown, so our our martial arts gyms are closed. There are a lot of people who are training, kind of like. Uh, illegally where they'll cover the the windows and uh of their of their like jujitsu gym and all that so it's kind of irresponsible because then yeah people have gotten uh covid from from doing stuff like that where even the instructor uh got a lot of people sick so um no it's like so anyway what was, what was the point i said and, and ran ran into someone who was just like oh oh well, you, you'll run into a lot of people like when when gyms are open, people will, a random person can come in off the street, and then they'll they'll think like, oh, I can just beat up whoever, or, or whether it be like striking, they'll think they're great, and maybe they'll um, uh, like maybe they maybe you know they always say they fought on the street or whatever, right? <laughs> of course, as a, you know perhaps they 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 have, but then a lot of times these street fights are against other untrained people who don't have the discipline to um, like to actually put in the work to learn all these strategies, learn efficient striking and whatnot. So yeah, maybe it's more of a, of a like you have a higher chance of winning, right? But uh, again, that's like another, probably I would, I personally would, would consider that a very, very low level fight. Um, even though there's a lot of danger involved, you know, and especially if you're on concrete or cement or whatever, very dangerous. Because uh, the ref isn't there, you're not, you know, the ref's not going to stop it and all that in case you get injured or if you fall down and all that. Uh, very dangerous, but you get people who might have won a street fight or a fight in their school and all, and then they, they're all puffed up because maybe they knock someone out or whatever. But um, don't think that that experience is going to translate into professional fighting, professional grappling, whatever. Uh, it's probably not, right? You got to put in that effort. Um, ideally, if you can find a great coach, great, great. Uh, that even better, even better. Right. Oh man, golden. So thank you for the super chat. I really appreciate that. So if any, so super chats on, guys. <laughs> so I might as well remind people of that. Um, uh, so that'd be great. Um, so Theodore, right now, 
uh, Theodore's asking um, if we're working with any notable fighters out of LA. Well, I mean, uh, fi at Fight Science MMA, uh, we have a variety of guys there. Um, so, I mean, uh, like, we're like, there's basically everything's like really small, like, because um, right now we are, we're, we're closed. So that's why in your, in, in like my videos, you'll, you'll see me just with like one person, right? Because we're not, we're not about spreading COVID or anything like that. We're very serious. So everything is very, very small right now. So um, maybe wait a little bit and we can kind of uh, show you more training with different uh, MMA fighters there. But we have some good ones there. Because um, not every, I mean, people are concerned. So, you know, it's like less people just in general. Um, yeah. So, you know, we have some people who are fighting out of, um, you know, different uh, pro organizations. And we, all, we also have a lot of amateurs and stuff. I'm hoping that maybe we'll introduce you to some, uh, some in particular that are interested and like are liking the, the catch wrestling stuff. So I'll probably introduce you to some soon. And I'd, I'd rather, instead of just mentioning names, we'll, just, we'll, we'll interview them, right? One guy in particular I, I see a lot. So um, uh, I think he's really, really promising, really good kickboxer. Uh, he's been doing um, 10th Planet for like eight years or whatever. I think he's like a uh, higher level purple or brown belt. Um, so we'll, we'll bring him on later. Um, let me see. Uh, any other questions? Oh, when did I start catch wrestling? Oh, it's like it's like over ten years ago now, at least. Um, I had been doing all kinds of grappling and uh, kickboxing. I had won a couple national uh, sanda or like uh, Chinese kickboxing tournaments um, in the past, and I had done even sumo wrestling and like I'd done. I'd been doing jujitsu also, and um, nothing quite matched my experience from like. Since Sanda has a lot of um, like takedowns and stuff from stand up, right? So it's a good combo where you can get in with your punches and kicks, and then you can take them down, or like you can catch their strikes, take them down. So it's kind of like they had this top down approach. And so uh, catch wrestling uh, was ultimately what I found. Because, like, doing the, like, when I was a student at UCLA, um, we, we had a lot of different martial arts classes available in our gym. And um, I would take them all, really. So that's why I ended up competing in, in uh, like, uh, international sumo wrestling and all that. I ended up uh, getting the silver medal in, in my weight division. Um, but, um, like, the jiu-jitsu wasn't really, like, I wasn't vibing with it, so to say, so to speak, because it didn't really match this kind of top-down approach. And so then, just, like, I, I really felt the desire to train in something um, that had submissions or so I was trying to look for some other type of grappling system and just by researching over and over then I, eventually I came to catch wrestling and then again going back to the main subject of this talk is that like I'm coachable right <laughs> or at least I try to make myself as coachable as possible where you know training with Roy Wood or even like going to Arkansas to train with Billy Robinson it's like you just do what they say and then like Billy was really cool because he arranged uh, training partner for me and the way we trained was that like he's like okay start wrestling and then I'll see what where they're where I have to make tweaks right so that's one of the things where you can make the job of your coach much easier if you if you go along with what they say you try to implement what they're teaching you 
and then you just allow them to uh, make little tweaks here and there. Uh, same thing with uh, Roy Wood uh, in particular. I mean, you're getting all these um, uh, instructions and stuff, so you just try to absorb it, right? That's how you absorb the most if you're just uh, remove that ego, open the ears, right? Uh, and then try to implement the techniques that they're doing, right? So same thing with regards to the Sanda. You know, I went to China, uh, to the Beijing Sports University. Uh, I I lucked out because when I was there, um, the coach for Sanda, uh, at least my coach in particular, he was one of the best professional coaches in all of China. He was doing like a special summer program uh, there because he's usually based out of Shanghai. Um, and so he went to Beijing and uh, he was doing a special class there. And this is the, the coach who uh, would take like the professional teams to compete against other uh, types of martial arts like Muay Thai or e even I believe they came to the United States to fight against some boxers who challenged them. So whenever people are challenging uh, China or their Sanda fighters, usually this coach, Coach Guan, was the coach who was in charge. And especially when they wanted to win, uh, Coach Guan would make, make sure the team dominated. So he was my coach. He was my Sanda coach. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead and get back to... Uh, yeah. Let's see any other questions here? Yeah, Eddie Bravo is a flat earther. Right? <laughs> I personally like Tenth um, uh, Planet, or right? I, I roll at Tenth Planet West LA when it's open. Um, so hopefully we can get back to that soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I really like the approach. The whole thing about it's like all they do is no gi, right? So no gi jujitsu. So. There's uh, uh, they're they're pretty open-minded, but that's the thing. It's like so if you want to get good at nogi, you got to spend a lot of time doing it, right? And there's like that other uh, argument where people are trying to say where it's like, oh, you got to do gi to be good at nogi. Uh, it's not exactly the case, right? Because uh, you know, really, get, if you get used to grabbing on clothes and doing a lot of stuff with lapels and stuff, it's just not there in nogi. So. Um, that was kind of the sarcastic meme that was going around uh, last week because uh, last week, I think towards the end of the week, there was a very young 10th Planet, young woman. I think she just turned 18. Her name is Grace Gundrum. So she got her black belt in uh, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu. And um, they, she had a pro match. Um, and I believe it was against like kind of your standard um, your standard issue IBJJF kind of champ um, and Grace was able to beat this woman very accomplished you know and Grace was able to beat her submit her um, you know very quickly I mean probably within at least like three minutes or four minutes um, and she basically controlled the whole match and stuff but um, then that's after that then there was a meme about her saying like you know being sarcastic about like you gotta do gi in order to be good at no gi but i think grace not only does 10th planet jiu-jitsu i believe she also uh learns free or folk style wrestling i think i believe she's competed in uh folk style as well so again none of that involves gi so same thing with catch wrestling or wrestling in particular it's all no gi so um you don't necessarily need to train in gi to get good at that all right 
So thoughts on Khabib's win and retirement? Um, uh, that's good. I mean, really, that's, that's the thing. It's like uh, he, he's going out on top. Uh, there's already rumors that he might just come back. Right. But uh, it's really up to him. If you're satisfied, you don't necessarily have to keep on going. I think a lot of times uh, there's some people that um, maybe they just weren't happy or they were, they're not satisfied about something am amongst themselves or, you know, within themselves. Uh, so that'll keep them competing. Or sometimes you're just used to it. If you've been fighting for so long that, uh, you know, you just kind of want to keep doing it, even though maybe your your record's not that great or, or over time it doesn't end up being so great. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of a lifestyle, I guess, so people can kind of get uh, caught up in that. Um, but if, if Khabib feels satisfied with what he accomplished, then that's great. I mean, we also had, what, Henry Cejudo, uh, like, retire on, at the top of the game, right? So um, totally fine. Let's see if he stays retired. I saw he was helping out at uh, University of Iowa's wrestling room. So, um, I don't know, maybe he's going to do something else or just he likes just helping other wrestlers. Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure. if, uh, But yeah, if you're satisfied, happy with yourself, if, if you know, Khabib, I think he likes to help out other people and uh, other kids and all that. So maybe he might help out. Maybe he might be help, might, he might help out here in San Jose and uh, uh, with Daniel Cormier's wrestling. Uh, he has like the high school wrestling uh, team and all that. Who knows? Who knows? Um, so Robbie from Ripper Catch Wrestling, what was learning from Roy Wood like when you trained with him for the first time? Uh, it's difficult. It's tough. <laughs> He's, uh, um, he is different from what you would expect in that, like, say if you've seen, um, say like even video. So for those of you who've never trained with Billy Robinson and maybe you've only seen some videos of him yelling at people and all that. Uh, Billy tell, told me that that's actually his version of trying to coach like coach Billy Riley, right? So Billy Riley um, was the, his main coach, and he was the coach of Riley's gym, which now Roy Wood has taken over that, that spot. So, he, so Roy Wood became the successor of Billy Riley, and, um, but they teach differently, right? So Billy Riley... Um, was very, very strict, and also he kind of put down the students a lot. So he would, um, uh, even, even according to Billy Robinson, you know, he said, you know, he could totally make you feel like you're just one inch tall and all that. And, uh, um, but in a way, he still commanded uh, not only respect, but I mean, he, he got the, the students to train very, very hard, and uh, he was able to get the best out of his students but again everyone has different coaching styles so yeah coach Roy Wood it demands a lot especially with regards to fitness he's all about um, wrestlers being in tip-top shape so he's about he's all about conditioning so you know um, so Robbie was asking about my first time going there it's like um, you know he's Roy would be happy if he had two wrestling sessions per day plus an extra conditioning session. Um, he's all like, so in a way, I think um, even though he's not, he never puts anybody down. He never, uh, it's actually really, he's, he's just, he's really a gentleman. And 
uh, really a pleasure to be around. Uh, but he he just wants you working out like hard. So in a way that kind of reminds me a little bit closer to maybe Dan Gable, uh, the way Dan Gable would coach in a way in that like he would always want his uh, students to be like giving like 110% all the time. Um, you know, Dan might, I'm not exactly sure if he would put down his students or not or whatever, but uh, because Dan did so well in, in like international freestyle, like when he was coaching at University of Iowa, his students did not want to let him down. So they, uh, they would work out really, really hard. And so that's kind of the same thing with Roy Wood. It's all about, you know, your, your drilling, your, your role and, you know, your wrestling and your conditioning. And I believe that's, um, that's really, really great. Actually. Uh, I tend to be a nice coach too, you know, um, but yeah, I really want you to work hard during your training time. And then you got to be doing the strength and conditioning outside of, of that. So maybe have a separate strength conditioning session. Like if you're, those of you who have a coach other, elsewhere, wherever you are at in the world, uh, if you can be doing those different things. So you got your, your training time, your drilling and your role, but then also doing the strength conditioning. And that includes like doing all the, uh, the stretching as well. Right. And then also the nutrition, you know, eating as many vegetables as you can so you can recover fast and all that. Um, yeah. So, um, Robbie again. So, Billy Riley wanted the best out of his students. Yes. Yes. Uh, and you're working out twice a day most days. That's great. Uh, so, a laconophile was Riley putting his students down part of the part of the pro wrestling culture back then. Uh, where would they try to get you where they would try to get you to quit like stretching people. Um, that's a possibility. It didn't necessarily seem that way so much. It was just um, really like <laughs> uh, uh, kind of even the way Roy Wood kind of mentions it, where it's like a lot of these wrestlers who were there who stayed. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like I'm sure you had a lot of people who went into Riley's gym and almost walked right out. But uh, I think it kind of comes from that, where it's like, you want to quickly find the, the student who's going to stay. So maybe you'll treat them bad. And if they stick with it, uh, then that's when you uh, start investing in them. Because you don't necessarily want to invest your time and your effort on someone who's not going to stay. So I think that was one of the, the, the things where it's like they really wouldn't teach you anything until you were actually committed and going for a few months before they were like, okay, let's, uh, let's start showing you how to do this right. Right. So... Uh, that could be one thing, and I think it's probably more more of the the main thing than a, a whole pro wrestling type thing. But at Riley's gym, you not only learned catch wrestling, you you he also trained you for pro wrestling because he wanted you to make a living, right? So uh, from what I understand, he also want he also encouraged his his students to uh, uh, learn a trade on the side. So just in case uh, it didn't work out with the pro wrestling stuff or they got injured or something that they couldn't do it, then they had some trade to fall back on. So um, it's not like he didn't care, right? But yeah, he, I think he wanted to make sure they got the, the most dedicated students. And um, uh, that's probably why he did that, right? Or he was like that. Because it, it's still something that kind of uh, occurs today, right? 
All right. Any other questions? Okay. Yeah. So Robbie was saying, yeah, it was a really hard existence in Riley's gym and especially Wigan. People did wrestling, so they didn't have to go down into the cold pits. Yeah, that was the other thing. I mean, the uh, the way the working classes were treated at that time, um, you is really similar to what what you see. I think I think you can see it easier nowadays, especially if those of you who are in Europe, where it's like you'll see it in in the professional football, right? Professional soccer, where it's like you get these teams that uh, they scour the whole globe, right? They have scouts who go out to the most remote places to find like the talent, right? To try to uh, get these people from all kinds of countries. Um, but that's the thing. So it's like, you'll have these people who are really uh, in and living in a, in not the, but not the best situation. And it sometimes could be a very dire situation, but sports is the potential has the potential to get them out of poverty and, and whatnot. So, um, that was kind of the situation for wrestling at that time. Okay. All right. Cool. Any other questions? Go ahead and shoot them at me. All right. So um, main thing, always be humble. I mean, that was, that was the thing that they kind of were talking about with um, Khabib, right? He's he um, always training, you know, and the thing about like, you know, he – he didn't ditch his dad and you know all that stuff where it's like um he was he's talking about being at home and you know as opposed to where they mentioned conor mcgregor talking about uh having expensive cars and this and that and there was like some interview that was released on youtube that i saw from rt right the the russian news and uh, they he had a he did an interview with children and um he was talking about uh, oh they're asking about what his goals were and i guess he he mentioned planting cucumbers and he's hoping he can, get, he can uh, grow enough and they can ripen for at the right time so that he can get a good price at the market for them or whatever. And, um, you know, so that's kind of a little bit of the difference. And, um, and I guess I believe what even Daniel Cormier was able to take uh, some of his students there to Dagestan to train and could be paid for everything or whatever. So um, I think maybe that's kind of a difference, right. With regards to, um, you know, maybe more ego-based activity and uh, uh, less ego-based. And I think it's just like uh, with regards to um, maybe some of the trash talk and stuff like that, kind of diverting into that segment is uh, at least in like the Western societies, right? So UFC and a lot of the Western promotions, that stuff sells tickets. Um, that's why I say like in Asia, the largest MMA promotion there, one championship, they are really trying to steer away from that and they're trying to promote um, kind of like more of the respect. And so that's what they always talk about in their social media. And they show uh, examples of their competitors, you know, like congratulating each other and supporting each other and whatnot. So uh, ultimately, um, I think that, that that also seems to sell tickets as well. So, uh, you know, we have different strategies, but um, I don't know, I kind of like the whole uh, uh, sportsman sportsmanship and all that. I like that because everyone's trying hard. Everyone wants to win, and uh, you know you can't just be going around trashing everybody. It's kind of a waste of energy. You should be focusing on um, on training. Right. All right. What is the next question? What do you think of folk style wrestlers transitioning to catch wrestling? Will they absorb it quicker than someone who's starting from scratch? 
So, Robbie, that is an excellent question because the answer is yes and no, right? Because it goes back to the premise of this whole talk where it's like uh, if you have a big ego, right? And so, like, say, being very successful at, uh, like, say, you're at a Division One college program in folk style, you're going to be a great wrestler, but you're not a catch wrestler, right? And you don't do catch wrestling. You don't know catch wrestling. And but the thing is, you have like the fundamentals to be good at catch wrestling, but you have to remove the ego so that you can um, so that you can absorb the catch wrestling because it's still uh, a different style and the moves are a little bit different. The rules are are different, so you need to, um, in a way, like uh, uh, just remove those barriers because like a lot of times. At least when I what I've what I've felt at the NCAA finals, I mean, yeah, these these athletes are great. I have to I admit that, right? But I know that they're not catch wrestlers, but like some some of them obviously have uh, big egos and stuff, and um, so those ones might not be the best catch wrestlers, uh, or they might not be very coachable because they already think they know everything. So uh, the answer to your question is, yeah, the one with the less ego who's more coachable can be a spectacular uh, catch wrestler quickly, right? As opposed to the one who with a huge ego and uh, thinks they know everything, it's gonna take a long time to teach them a few moves and uh, it's probably not worth your time. If you're the coach, uh, you probably wanna just uh, start someone who's starting from scratch, who uh, just wants to learn. Um, that's probably, you'll probably get them better faster, right? Uh, let me see. So, a laconophile, the cultures are different. Americans like to talk trash. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that that, uh, that is uh, a difference, right? Um, and that's kind of funny because then, like, you'll see in, in the United States where people will talk about, like, the, how they revere, like, uh, Japan and these, their, their, their mythology in their head of what they believe, um, like Eastern cultures are like, and they, they they talk about how they revere that, but then yeah, they might they might like all that trash talk and the and MMA and pro wrestling and whatnot, right? There's a real uh, weird disconnect sometimes with that. All right, so um, go ahead and keep asking questions. I'll go ahead and give you guys some um, some of the some like some of the updates. So uh, it looks like I'll probably be uh, on fight commentary breakdowns their their channel so we'll probably be doing a live stream i will be giving commentary on tomorrow's uh, ufc fight so that's the one with anderson silva uh potentially like his last match uh so i don't know if you guys saw that last weekend during the 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 match with uh you know the khabib and justin gagey i also was on fight commentary breakdowns channel we were doing a live stream uh, giving commentary on that, so um, I was asked. I was asked back. So apparently, their their fans liked. They like what I was cooking, right? So uh, I'll be back probably tomorrow, so you can check that out. Like their live stream on their channel. Um, I'll try to maybe post a link on um, the community tab in the in our YouTube page, our YouTube channel page. Um, so uh, that might be something if you guys are interested in hearing me talk about the fights or whatever, I can give you kind of a little bit, you know, the catch wrestling perspective. Also with regards to striking, I can give you the, the Chinese kickboxing perspective. So like the Sanda perspective on all that. Um, let me see. So 
uh, Robbie again. What was your take on the differences, the difference of American culture compared to the United States? Um, so yeah, if you're talking about America, like the entire continent, yeah, you'll you'll see differences. So like you 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 are seeing, especially in South America, a rejection of uh, a lot of like, so the United States, on behalf of our corporations, we put a lot of pressure on these South American countries and governments, and so they want to they want they want their self determination. So they're really rejecting a lot of our everything United States based, right? So, um, but Chile's even, you know, but anyway, so we've, we've influenced a lot of different countries and they seem to be uh, fighting back even at the ballot box and rejecting a lot of stuff like that. So uh, there is uh, uh, a lot of, uh, say Ecuador and all that, they have their, they just won back their, their, like the main, political party, they won back, the one who's like more uh, about self-determination and helping to elevate the indigenous people there, that one won in a landslide, even though uh, the other side that was more friendly to our corporations, uh, they had a coup and they took over, but then the people fought back and then they forced them to have an election. And then uh, they basically forced uh, the people who took over to reinstate the, the old uh, leaders and right? so uh, we're we're getting we're getting rejected, <laughs> right? So, um, but ultimately, it seems like these other countries like they really want to try to basically be in charge of their own their own countries, right? Um, let me see. So, a laconophile Ariel Hawani was talking about uh, liking John Jones' antics because it's pro wrestling esque. Yes, so. People uh, get upset a lot of times with the trash talk, but again, it's uh, oftentimes it is an act. But I mean, actually, I graduated from uh, a prominent theater school in the United States, but acting is tiring to me, right? So you got to put a lot of effort into it, right? Like putting on this this act, and um, so uh, I prefer to focus all that energy on training, conditioning. Um, you know, eating right, stretching, whatever, doing yoga, whatever, doing, lifting all those weights and drilling and all that. So, um, yeah, I guess maybe that the whole Chinese thing rubbed off on me because I was um, uh, training in in the sports university in China, you know, many many years ago, uh, in the early 2000s. So um, when they were challenged by another country, so say like Thailand's Muay Thai team, they they challenged the Sanda team to uh, a night of fights. And they they might trash talk a little bit, saying that they can destroy or knock out everybody. Then the the Chinese response quite often was like, "We'll see what happens that night." Like it was, so it wasn't really like, "Oh, we're gonna," you know, like there there really there really wasn't that pro wrestling back and forth. Um, but with regards to what Ariel Hawani said, was that like the it's it's a little bit different. I don't think he uh, understands that aspect where in pro wrestling, you have to have a good guy and a bad guy, right? So that's called like a heel, right? And a face, right? So John Jones trash talking, again, it always makes him the heel, but uh, is there truly a face? I guess maybe he's forcing whoever else he's trying to trash talk to becoming like the good guy or whatever, but 
a lot of times in pro wrestling, you've already accepted certain people to be the face and you've accepted certain people to play the role of the heel. So um, I don't know. I think it's a kind of, it's not really a stretch, but um, I don't think it's exactly precise. All right. I hope, uh, I hope I'm the baby face, right? Because uh, trying to be a good guy and trying to spread catch wrestling like the as most of the, the legit version as possible right so um um yeah <laughs> uh so we'll do one more question so robbie was asking what's the difference between the american culture to the uk uh i really only spent a really short amount of time in london um so i know way more about northerners that or at least the, the people in liverpool and you know around wigan and uh, they're they're they seem to be very, very nice, ultimately, you know, very, very friendly, and which was really cool because they weren't, uh, um, from what you, you might hear you know, about London, where it's like, you know, maybe they're not as warm and welcoming, right? But in in the North, I mean, everyone was very, very friendly. So um, that was great. And also, um, this might be a British thing where it's like, yeah, if you, in a way, you, you kind of had this feeling where it's like if someone who chose to do wrestling, right, they would just do it. Right. And they would, you know, if, it, if something about training hurt or you're sore, or you're achy or whatever, they just uh, they were kind of more stoic about it. Whereas it's just like, oh, this is part of it. You know, why are you complaining? Kind of. So I was uh, around people who were more like that. So, um, you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of people in England, you know, all over England. So um, I just kind of had that that impression more so. Uh, I have some good friends in Liverpool and I had a chance to spend time over there, too. Um, I don't know. It's, it's it's really cool, really cool area. I would like to maybe spend more time in London to kind of compare. Uh, but as far as I know, I just know I understand more uh, northern northern stuff. Would like to actually go up to Scotland though, maybe next time. Uh, I want to check that out. Heard there's a lot of great actually vegan food up there. So um, I actually heard uh, they have all kinds of cool like comedy festivals and all that stuff up in Edinburgh. So yeah, I want to check that out. Um, oh, so uh, going back to the whole face and heel thing. So Helwani was saying that, yeah, Jones is the heel and Khabib is the face. But uh, again, it's like I don't think John Jones would ever have to would ever have a match, be, you know, with Khabib. I mean, at least now that Khabib is retired and there are different weight divisions and all that. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like John Jones just wanted attention, and yeah, totally maybe doing the whole heel and baby face thing, but um, uh, I don't know. It seems like uh, a lot of effort to get attention, and uh, you know, without having with with very little chance of there being a match later. Okay, so I think we'll go ahead and end it here because we're getting close to uh, almost like an hour, so like we're almost near the near in the fifty minute mark. So if you have any other questions, please comment below. Uh, also, if you want to learn the most authentic compilation of catch wrestling, we have our catch wrestling, our CWA Academy, right? So Catch Wrestling Alliance Academy. Uh, you can just go to our website, catchwrestlingalliance.com. You can easily find that. We also have a section with my dear, dear friend who is the lineage holder for the American lineage of catch wrestling, so John Strickland. Uh, we, there's also a section in there that he did when he came out to LA. We recorded a special uh, American style catch wrestling uh, 
segment for our program. So, and it's also graduated. So you, you learn uh, the initial like fundamental techniques. And then once you demonstrate that you can do those, then you get access to more advanced stuff. So it's, it is like a, a levels. And so it's similar to maybe what you would understand of as like, you know, jujitsu where they have different belt levels and stuff like that. Um, so should be easy for you guys to understand. And um, uh, so, yeah, if you don't have access to authentic catch wrestling in your area, uh, consider that. All right. Let's see other. Okay, great. So no more questions. So we'll see you next week. But if there's anything you want me to talk about, let me know. I'll probably also be on the live stream for the UFC tomorrow on Fight Commentary Breakdown. All right. See you next week.